Welcome to the Wednesday Night Bible Study. I'm David. This is my lovely wife, Joanna. And there's the Queen's Wave. Yes, if you're listening on audio, you don't know what this is about, but uh, I encourage you to watch it on video. It is fun. So we are the Herobedians, virtualchurchmedia.com. We're also in a live audience tonight. Everybody say hello. have fun. I've got this wonderful iPad tonight and I have all kinds of teaching notes on it. The good news is we're not going to use it. We're going to talk about are you ready for Acts chapter 29? Are you ready for Acts chapter 29? So there's 28 chapters in the book of Acts. But there's a 29th chapter that's being written now in the earth through your life and mine. Psalms 103.7 says this, God made known his ways, his ways unto his servant Moses. He made known his acts, his demonstrative acts, his signs and wonders to the children of Israel. So Moses knew God's ways. The children of Israel knew God's acts. What's the difference? Well, I'm glad you asked. Because the difference is this. When you know God's ways, his acts will flow through you. When you just know his acts, you'll run from service to service chasing miracles, chasing healing, chasing a word, sitting on the pew. And I think the reason they call it the pew is because it might stink at times <laughs> if that's the only place you ever sit. Because God doesn't want you in the pew. He wants you out of the pew and into the pulpit, even if it's an invisible pulpit at your workplace and the highways and the byways. Amen. And he wants you to share God's love with others in the hurting world of dying destitute humanity in need of a miracle worker in need of a savior in need of someone who can connect them reach one hand into the world and the other hand into heaven and connect them with that power that brings the difference we love god because he first loved us we were recently in a situation where we were with uh some pretty worldly people i mean extremely worldly and they were very gifted in an area of music and they graciously gave Joanna their recording studio, a very nice recording studio. And what happened was we had the privilege of praying for somebody who was not a believer and in a lifestyle that would be incongruous with the biblical Christianity. And God healed that person just the way they were. He did not require them to change. We love God because he first loves us. So God's love reached out to this individual and touched the individual and healed them. God loves you just the way you are. However, loves us way much to leave us in our current condition. God visited me in a prison cell while I was yet still a sinner. Christ died for me. He loved me just the way I was, but he loved me way too much to leave me 
in that condition. So please don't mishear my message tonight. God loves us so much, he meets us at our point of need, but he loves us so much, he begins to lift us out of that muck and that mire and that mess. Even as God was in Christ reconciling the world back unto himself, even so he's committed unto you the ministry of reconciliation. Therefore, we are not to impute or hold people's sins or trespasses against them, but rather we only look down upon a person when we're bending over to help pick them up. This is the love of God. And when we have this love and our love levels above their issue level, we'll pour into them that love. And that love is what sets people free. Romans 2, 4 said, it is the goodness of God that leads men and women to repentance. So it's not the judgments, but it's the goodness. In fact, in the book of Revelation, we find that hailstones are falling from heaven in the future. 75, 100 pound hailstones. And people are literally not repenting in the judgment time. They're shaking their angry fist in the face of God. It is not judgment that brings people to repentance. It is the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. So if God was in Christ reconciling the world back to himself, not holding their sins against him, not imputing their trespasses against him, and the God in Christ of the gospel becomes the Christ in you and me of the epistles. And we've been given this same ministry of reconciliation then we won't hold people's trespasses or sins against them. But we'll release the empowerment of the Holy Spirit that heals people just where they're at, and then they'll want to follow him because he's so good. And then they'll willingly lay these other things down that are false comforters, and they'll chase after him because he's so good. Does God have a judgment side? Absolutely. But he has no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather that the wicked repent. God's will is that none perish, 2 Peter 3, 9 says, but all men come unto repentance. So laying that foundation as we move into Acts chapter 29 that we're talking about tonight, the book of Acts has 28 chapters, but the 29th chapter is being written. What's interesting about Acts, the book, it's not the Acts of the Apostles. It's the acts of the Holy Spirit flowing through the apostles. And the epistles are the letters that are written. So the God in Christ of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, once Jesus is crucified, buried in the tomb, and on the third day he's raised from the dead, and then on the 50 days after his crucifixion, on the day of Pentecost, he sends the power of the Holy Spirit, and the apostles, the 120 in the upper room, and Acts chapter 2 are all filled with the Holy Spirit and begin to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gives them utterance, 16 known language groups, dialectos in the original Koine Greek language, known dialects, unknown to the speaker, but known to the hearer. Then Peter gets up and says, these men are not drunk as it might so seem. It's only 9 o'clock in the morning, but this is what was prophesied by the prophet Joel yeah. 2,000 years ago. Yeah. It's Joel's bar, baby. Come get a drink of the new wine of the Holy Spirit. And he says, this is what was prophesied by Joel. In the last days, saith God, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh on your 
Young men, you'll see visions. On your old men, dream dreams. Even on my men servants and maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will begin to prophesy. So dreams, visions, prophecy, tongues, interpretation of tongues, sign, wonders, diverse miracles, gifts of the Holy Spirit. Peter's shadow starts to heal the sick and cast out devils. Paul's handkerchiefs and aprons are taken from his body as the anointing is transferred into handkerchiefs and aprons. They send these pieces of cloth out into the streets and highways and byways. And when people touch them, the tangible anointing of God comes in and drives out demons and people are healed. I remember when we were incarcerated, the year was about 1999 and the Lord had given me uh, that scripture and I went to the chapel and I said, Chaplain Mike, I said, I, I, I've got what I sense is a word from the Lord. I said, but I want to submit to authority. And I said, I really need your agreement and blessing because God honors when we submit to authority. And I said, Acts chapter 19, verse 11 and 12, it says that, you know, when handkerchiefs and aprons were taken from Paul's body and cloths and they healed the sick and cast out devils, I really sense that God wants to do an Acts 19 thing with our prayer group on Monday night. And he said, well, what, what do you think we should do? I said, well, I'm gonna deface a shirt from the laundry, a brand new white shirt, and you know, I don't wanna get in trouble for doing that, but I'm gonna cut it up. And he says, that sounds good. And he says, what, what are we gonna do then? He goes, well, I'm gonna go in there and we're gonna pray over it. He goes, okay, I, I can't have anything to do with this, you know. I said, well, can you do me a favor and like write something up that's biblical that we can put on like a half a page. And then when the guys send out these small pieces of cloth, put this in so there's a biblical basis for it so we don't look like granola bar Christians that are flaky, fruity, or nutty, or we look like we're into some sort of santaria, pala mayombre, you know, witchcraft or something like that. And he said, he said, okay, so he kind of drafted something up. And so I went in to the Monday night Bible study, actually it was a prayer meeting, and, uh, God moved powerfully in that Monday night prayer meeting. I mean, it started with like, you know, two guys, but it grew to like 40 and the presence of God would come and healings would happen on Monday nights. And we had like this hopping church in Waseca, Minnesota to where the people were like calling, you know, the, the prison. We'd like to come in and, you know, attend church. You know, he says, well, what, what volunteer organization, you know, Christian group are you with? Oh, no, no, we've just heard about what's going on in there. We just want to come participate. We want, we heard the Holy Spirit's falling at the prison and there was a big revival taking place. And I had the privilege of leading, I think 67 or 68 people to Christ, you know, like back to back and Muslims were coming to Christ and their backs were being healed and, you know, blind, just all kinds of amazing things the Lord was doing. So as we began to pray over those prayer cloths and aprons, we took the thing that the chaplain had made and it was about you know a half a page. We duplicated it on the printer, cut them in half. We handed out those sheets of paper and we handed each person one of these pieces of cut cloth. And as we began to pray over these cloths, one of the Christian brothers that um, you know had some issues, loved the Lord but still had some issues, um, a demon started to manifest through him. And he started to curse him. And this was a friend of mine. He went crazy on me, started calling me all kinds of names, started to threaten me because the devil did not want those prayer cloths prayed over because Acts chapter 29 was getting ready to happen. From behind bars to the civilians, he came to set the captives free. He'll do it to you first and then he'll do it through you second. 
The reason the devil doesn't want you healed, he doesn't want you saved, he doesn't want you delivered, because he knows that once God does it to you or for you, the next thing will happen is he'll do it through you, to others, and for others. Acts chapter 29. So what happened was um, two other prisoners literally had to constrain this guy because he's like coming at me. And I like tried to calm him down and then I realized I'm dealing with a spirit. And so we commanded this spirit to come out of him and then the power of God hit him and knocked him to the ground and then he got delivered, but he was still kind of offended. And uh, so we prayed over this. We sent out envelopes with these small pieces of white t-shirt with this piece of paper folded in half in an envelope. And we got reports back, Acts chapter 29 reports. As people would go and grab the mail, they would grit that letter and they would look at the letter. And when they touched the letter, depression would leave them. When they touched the letter and they didn't even know what was in it, just getting in proximity with that, the tangible anointing of God that was transferable through prayer and the presence of God would then go into those pieces of cloth and as some as they would open up the envelope, it would happen. Others, when they would touch the cloth, they would feel like electricity go through their body. We heard cancer had been healed, depression lifted, um, all kinds of different things, anxiety. People had been delivered from spirits. And Acts chapter 29 began to happen from behind bars. You know, there's a lot of different ways you can be in prison without being incarcerated physically. You could be in the lockdown of lust. God wants to deliver you. You could be in the penitentiary of pride. God wants to deliver you. He came to set the captives free. You could be in the Bastille of bitterness. God wants to set you free. You could have the handcuffs of hatred or the shackles of shame. God wants to deliver you because he came to set the captives free, not just the incarcerated free. You can be captive and not incarcerated. You could be incarcerated and be free on the inside. We just got done some of our gracious friends and volunteers just ended up packing more bonded leather-bound Bibles to go into the prisons. And so each month we purchase, we pack, and we mail more bonded leather-bound study Bibles, and we send them into the prisons through our sister ministry, Heart of America Prison Ministries, heartprisonministries.org. It cost us about $30 for a lifetime copy of the word. Somebody sent me a lifetime copy of the word in 1990. And guess what? My life was changed by the Holy Spirit and the word of God in a prison cell. Amen. I was taught by the Lord from on high with the trusty 66 between two fine Corinthian leather covers. I still have that life. And a former prisoner who helped lead me to the Lord when he got out sent me that Bible. And I still have it today. And we've been able to give away about 10,000 plus bonded leather bound Bibles and donate books like this, Jet Ride to Hell, Journey to Freedom, jetridebook.com. Into the prisons, we donated about 15,000, maybe 16,500. But they're throughout 1,500 prisons in the United States. And we get letters all the time from prisoners who would not read the Bible. They would not read a Christian book, but they read this, Jet Ride to Hell, Journey to Freedom. Why? 
because they have all been on a jet ride of their own to hell in one form or another. And you can reach a people group that God delivered you out of your issues and set you free. And you might feel like you're living on the other side of the tracks. And in a way, you are because you've been translated out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of his dear son. So yeah, you are on the other side of the tracks. You went from hell to heaven through the born again experience because you got filled with the Holy Spirit and your name was written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Yeah, you are on the other side of the tracks. But are you willing to go back into that lifestyle of people and share God's love with them and release Acts chapter 29 to them and let heaven write the stories of how you came in his name, in his power, in unity with him because he sent you to go set the captives free. Amen? amen? Matthew ends with the word amen. Matthew, the book of Matthew. You get done reading the chapters, 28 chapters in Matthew, it ends with amen. Mark, 16 chapters. You read the 16 chapters, it ends with the words amen. Luke, you read your 24 chapters, it ends with amen. And John, you read your 21 chapters. 22 chapters and it ends with amen and it means so be it it ends you get to the book of acts and you get to the end of the 28th chapter and there's something mysteriously missing there is no amen but you skip to the next book which is the book of romans and you get through 15 chapters 16 chapters of romans what happens amen when you get to first corinthians and second corinthians amen it goes why is there no amen in Acts chapter 28? Because I believe it's not over yet. And he's still writing and his scribe angels are taking notes of Acts chapter 29 that's being written today by the acts of the Holy Spirit through you and me all over the world. Amen. We are privileged to attend a church in Orlando, Florida, Nations Church, which is really Reinhard Bunky, Daniel Kalinda. Uh, and this last year, so we were attending, they won 2.2 million people during COVID to Jesus worldwide. Already this year, there's over 800 and I think 59,000 that have come to the saving knowledge of Jesus worldwide. Just this last Sunday, we get reports each week on the evangelists that go out, the things that happen in Mexico and Trinidad or wherever in Africa, Nigeria, South America, and different countries where the evangelists have gone out. This last week, with no crusades going on, with no special decapolises where they're going to preach in the 10 cities, no major things, they still had 47,000 people come to know Jesus through this church and this ministry in Orlando, Florida called Christ for All Nations and we are nations.church. It's exciting to see Acts chapter 29 lived out before our eyes. Everyone we know operates in the power of God. 
I had the privilege of praying for somebody today who runs in the political arenas. And before she got on the plane, a friend of mine and I had taken her to the airport. The Holy Spirit had given me a word. And so I prayed for her. I asked if I could put my hand on her head, and I did. And the Lord had given me a word. And I felt the power of God go through. And she looked at me afterwards. And she said these words. She said, every time your wife and you or you or your wife pray for me, I feel something I've never felt before when people pray for me. She says, I feel lighter and I feel peace and I just am serene and I just know things are, she says, I don't know if, if that's helpful feedback, but it's, I've never, she said, I have a lot of pastors who pray for me because of the arenas I'm in, but they're, they're just words. And, and, and they don't have that same accompany. She says, what is that? I said, it's the Holy Spirit. And she says, well, why don't other people that pray for me have that? I said, different people have different gifts. Some people are assigned to you for a reason, and there is a divine connection. Other people are appointed just for that moment. I said, but it comes from being in proximity with Jesus. Peter's shadow wasn't what healed people because it only would have worked on a sunny day. The original Greek language of Peter's shadow is episkizo. It's the overshadowing, the adumbration of God's glory. Christ in you, Colossians 1.27, the hope of glory, shines out of Peter. The same Peter that walked on water and sank, the same Peter that cut off a centurion's ear, the same Peter that denied Christ three times, the same Peter that rebukes Jesus for talking about him crucified, getting crucified, and Jesus says, get thee behind me, Satan. Thou hast not in, thine, not in mind the things of God, but of men. This same Peter who was a perpetual, uh, uh, mm, what's the word we're looking for? Impetuous Peter. This same Peter, after he had denied Christ three times, and Jesus says, Peter, do you love me? And restored him three times became the apostle that was so yielded to the Holy Spirit, so yielded to the relationship with Jesus that the Holy Spirit shined out of him. He had a yielded life that the book of Acts highlighted in Acts chapter 5, verses 15 through 17. They knew Peter was coming to town, but they knew it wasn't Peter. They knew it was Jesus inside of Peter, the Holy Spirit inside of Peter. These are untrained and ignorant men, Acts chapter 4 says. But we know they have been with Jesus. Don't you want it to be said of you? That guy may not have finished Bible college, can't even tie two verses together, but man, when he or she comes into the room, they are different. I Feel the presence of God. Catherine Kuhlman, when she would be in the studio at CBS, people would know in other sets that Catherine Kuhlman was at CBS because they could feel the presence of God would come in. I believe angels came in wherever she went. Angels accompanied her. When she would go to the airport, The security guards would find people spilled out on the ground because they would see Miss Kuhlman, Miss Kuhlman. And they would come up here and she would pray for them. They'd fall out under the power, they'd get healed. 
and the guards would come seeing a person and they're having a heart attack, a stroke. Miss Kuhlman, I've got to get to my plane. They'll be up in a little bit. God's healing them. So they finally had to get her a special area where she would come and get on the commercial flight or wherever she was flying to because there would be piles of people. Frances Hunter. Frances and her husband, the happy hunters, Joan Hunter is in ministry. They've gone on to be with the Lord. It would happen with her. And Joan was so funny. She did the laying on of hands, but as she got older in her you know, late 80s, she couldn't bend over as much. And the Lord just says, put your foot on their foot. You can do the laying on of feet. You know, you get too religious, right? But God can work through any extremity. And so she would put her foot on the person's foot and command the healing to happen, and she'd walk out and get on the plane. There was one time she prayed for a woman that had cerebral palsy in, in, a, in a wheelchair. And so she was in the bathroom. She was rushing to her plane. She was washing her hands. And, and the woman she saw, she says, oh, honey, Jesus wants to heal you. She says, oh, can I pray for you? She says, oh, okay. She prays for her, commands the MS or whatever to go. And boom, Acts chapter 29 happens. And the woman gets healed in the bathroom. And she comes up out of her wheelchair. And Francis had to go to her plane. This is just the lifestyle. And so it came out in the newspaper. Angel appears in bathroom, prays for a woman. It wasn't an angel. It was really God's messenger, an angel. It was Francis Hunter. So these are the stories that happen when Acts chapter 29. Can you imagine when we get to heaven? We've read the Bible. We've read the book of Acts, the amazing acts of the Holy Spirit operating through the apostles as recorded in the canonized scriptures, the infallible word of God. But then we get to see the big screen. We get to see the stories of how God healed people beyond the apostles. Because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hebrews 13, 8. But back to Psalms 103:7. God made known his ways unto his servant Moses, his acts unto the children of Israel. Why do we have these classes? Why do we teach online? Why do we gather? so that we can learn the ways of God. Why do you spend time alone with God in prayer, in fasting? Is it so you can bring your problems to him? That's a good thing, but it shouldn't end there. It should come sitting at the feet of Jesus in the Holy of Holies, where deep calleth unto deep, at the noise of his water spouts, all the waves and billows of his presence have gone over us. Psalms 42, 7. Like the deer panted for the water, so my soul longeth after thee. You alone are my heart's desire, and I long to worship thee. So we will sing unto the Lord in the shower. We'll sing unto the Lord in our prayer closet. We'll sing unto the Lord once we've got the stuff out of the way, we need to pray through our stuff. And once we get through our stuff, we enter into the rest of God. We have to labor to enter into the rest. The labor comes from getting through our stuff. And the rest of God isn't where inactivity occurs. It's where God's activity begins. The rest of God is where we get the rest of God, the remainder of God, and the supernatural begins to happen. You know, God can get more accomplished when we're resting and we get through our stuff than when we're working and he's watching. 
Mary and Martha are interesting sisters. Mary is at the feet of Jesus, resting in his presence, soaking in the word as he's talking. She's at his feet. I can see her looking up at him, enamored with the word and the presence and the anointing on his life. And she's drinking in the word of God, the love of God. Martha is busy about running around, making Galilean fish sandwiches for Jesus that he never ordered. And she's saying, look at me, Jesus. Look at how much I'm doing for you. Can't you have Mary get up and help me? I'm doing all this work for you. Martha, Martha, thou art cumbered about with much doing. Mary has chosen the greater part. What have you chosen today? Are you working for him? Are you sitting at his feet, ready to work from him out of relationship when he sends you and he shoots you like an arrow into the mission field? Shoot you like an arrow into the workplace. Shoot you like an arrow into the highway or the byway. Shoot you like an arrow through a text message or a phone call to share the love of God because you're one who's been sent, not one who just went. Because the children of Israel just went, walking in circles, whining and complaining, eating the same stinking manna every day. How many ways can you cook manna? Fried manna, baked manna, raw manna, roasted manna, poached manna, 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 manna. Manna bread. But when you're at the feet of Jesus, that's the real manna. Psalms 45.1 says, My tongue is the pen of a ready writer. It speaks or enunciates or articulates those things that I have received as touching in proximity with, in connection with, with my head on the chest of the king. When you're in the secret place of the Most High under the shadow of the Almighty, that's when the Psalms 91 protection happens. And you can say of the Lord, he's my rock and my salvation. He's the one in whom I'm trust. You can say, I will not fear the arrow that flieth by day, nor the COVID-19 that cometh, I mean, by the plague that cometh by night. Because you have that Psalms 91 protection. He who dwells abides in the secret place of the Most High, not he who's making Galilean fish sandwiches for Jesus that he never ordered. When Lazarus died, Mary and Martha's brother, Jesus knew that Lazarus was sick. And instead of running to Lazarus to heal him, he waited. And Lazarus died. He croaked. It ended. And he showed up four days later. Under Jewish tradition, you could still raise one from the dead within three days. And that's why many Jews sit Shiva for three days. What you don't know is my great-grandmother, they sat Shiva for her, and she was dead, and two days later she rose back up. It's like a generational thing in our family. So then my grandmother, the same thing happened, and it really kind of freaks out the person who's sitting Shiva with the dead body. And, and they, they lived like two more weeks. They were never 100% right, but they did raise from the dead. And uh, so my mother says to me, my dad, 
who had died at 90 in front of my wife and my mother and me and my wife and I were dating. We were engaged at the time. My father died in front of us at 90 and rose, you know, raised him from the dead in the name of Jesus. And I said, Tom, in the name of Jesus. I said, Dad, in Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I command you to come back now. Instantly he opened his eyes and I looked at Joanna and I said, Joanna, she said, I think we're supposed to call 911. My mom's eyes were saucer big and she's watching this. So I went out of the room and I was very calm with 911. You know, this happened. I come back, my, my father's out of the bed. And I said, what happened? And Joanna says, well, he got up, he went to the bathroom. What she didn't tell me is he died a second time. And she says, we're getting ready to go to a wedding. No, you're not, we're not going to a funeral, we're going to a wedding. So she spoke in the name of Jesus. Now this was in her head, she didn't say it out loud. So she spoke in the name of Jesus, Tom, I command you to come back. And he came back from the dead a second time. Then he died a third time in the bathroom and uh, the, the paramedics were, I don't know how they got there that quick, but I said, Dad, in the name of Jesus, I command you to come back now. Opened his eyes and all, I mean, all the color was out. The eye, he was dead, the life force was gone, right? So the paramedics didn't know what to do and he lost his faculties and everything. And uh, so uh, long story short, Acts chapter 29 was in operation. My mother called my brother and says, wow, your dad died today. Dad's dead? No not dead. I thought you said he died. He did. But David, your little brother really stepped up to the plate today. He invoked the name of Jesus, raised him from the dead. He says, okay, so he's alive. Yeah, well, yeah, he's alive. But then, you know, he died a second time. And she's like, he died a second time. Yeah, but you're, that, that Joanna, the fiance, she's got fire in her. He picked the right one. She raised him from the dead the second time. And he's like, he died a second time, but he raised him from the dead. Yeah, but then he died a third time. So is he dead or alive? No, he's, he's alive. David raised him from the dead the third time in front of the paramedics. <laughs> Acts chapter 29. The acts of the Holy Spirit continue on today. Yes. So three months later, my dad was diving 10-meter tower. He was the world's oldest 10-meter tower diver. He had like 168 national and international titles. So my dad at 90, after he's been raised from the dead, went in three more gold medals, and he dived... <laughs> 10 meter tower till he's night. TomHerobedian.com. Don't believe me? Go online. You'll see it. The video footage. They call him the silver bullet, you know, going off the 10 meter tower with the gray hair. Bam. And so these are true stories. You can't make this stuff up, right? And so he continued to dive 10 meter tower till 92 and then three meter springboard till 93. And he went on to be with the Lord at 90. Six, but these signs and wonders extend life, extend joy. Extend, instead of gone suddenly from the earth and that without remedy, oh, I wish we'd have hugged one more time. I wish we'd have done this one. Isn't it beautiful? They're gone, but you get a chance to raise them back up with the power of the Holy Spirit because you have Acts chapter 29 power because you know his ways, not just his acts. You don't, follow signs and wonders, signs and wonders follow you as a believer. Yes. And this is how you can tell what side of Psalms 103.7 you're on. He made known his ways unto his servant Moses, and the acts were released through Moses. Or he made known his acts unto the Israelites, and the minute Moses left, they're mm, having a drunken orgy, and they were worshiping a golden calf. This is the problem. <laughs> Say problem. <laughs> problem. Not afraid to say it, aren't you? Okay. <laughs> problem. <laughs> problem. Okay. Still afraid to say it. Okay. So do you want to know his ways so his acts can flow through you 
And the pen of a ready writer might be your tongue, and when you declare a thing, he confirms his word with signs and wonders following. When you speak for the dead to raise, they raise up. Now, what you don't know about this story is I was called to pray for a 12-year-old girl who had died out of time. And when I got to the hospital months earlier, I was at a Dillard's shirt shopping for sale items. <laughs> That's what I thought I was there for, styling and profiling, but God had me there for signs and wonders. And so the woman at the shirt counter said, David, she says, this homeless family, a 12-year-old girl, I let them, I know them, I was letting them, them shower at my house. They had like a, uh, you know, what do you call those things where you live in, like a Winnebago or something, RV, motorhome. motorhome of some sort. And she says, and the daughter was sick and the mother wouldn't take her to the hospital and she died. She says, she's at this hospital like seven minutes from here. Would you go over there and raise her from the dead? I said, um, okay. You know, faith is really spelled R-I-S-K. Risk. You got to risk to get out of the boat and walk on the water with Jesus. And I just thought about this scripture about this little girl who died. And Jesus showed up and says, Talitha Kumai, little girl, arise. So I called like three of my friends who have history of raising the dead. I called them and they're like, we're going to agree with you in prayer. I said, I'm headed over there now. So I get over there. And I'm still on federal parole. I just like shedded the friendship bracelet from my ankle from the feds. And so I get over there and I said, I'd like to see so-and-so. And, you know, she says, well, you know, she's passed away. I said, I know, I'd like to see the body. And, well, her mother's over here. And they said, uh, are you part of, I said, you know, I've just sent over. I just want to pray for her. Well, she's dead. I said, okay. I said, can I get in to pray for her? I mean, I was raring to go because I knew beyond a shadow of doubt this child's going to get raised from the dead. And so they lock me in a room with the mother who's obviously distraught. She just lost her 12-year-old girl. And I said, well, you know, I'm so-and-so, so-and-so at the Dillard's counter sent me over here and to pray for your daughter. She goes, oh, God's going to raise her from the dead. And the police pull me out and ask me my name and social security number and how am I related to the deceased? And now I'm part of a criminal investigation. <laughs> and I said, listen, I don't really don't know the mother. I was Dillard's shirt shopping. And that's how I ended it. And he says, well, maybe you should have stayed in the Dillard's shirt section. I said, no, I'm supposed to be here. And so an hour and a half goes by before they allow me to get in to see the 12-year-old girl. And the Holy Spirit speaks these words to me. The longer she's here with me, the less she'll want to come back to be with you. So finally they let me into the room and she's on a stainless steel table and her blonde hair and ponytail is there and she's got it and the eye open looking at me, blue eye. I still remember it like it was yesterday, this little... 12-year-old girl, Talitha Kumai, little girl arrives. And I've got four detectives with their badges and their arms folded and they're staring at me. Go do your thing. 
I'm in an awkward situation and I'm looking and I've got cold, steely eyes from three of the four detectives. And now I'm in the middle of an investigation while on federal parole. <laughs> say awkward. Awkward. Now you can say that, can't you? Because it was about me. <laughs> so I look over at one of the detectives and he looks at me and he realizes I'm in a very awkward situation. And he says, go ahead. And I said, well, she comes from a denominational background that's more Pentecostal or charismatic in nature. And so she believes in speaking in tongues, which is another language. So I want to honor that faith community of Christianity. And I said, so I'm going to go ahead and pray in other tongues as well. So the languages that you might hear coming out of me, you may not understand. But I would appreciate it if you would give me an opportunity to honor this mother during her time of bereavement. And the woman's looking at me like this, and they're looking at me like this, you know, like I'm crazy, like I got five heads. So I say, and I start to pray in tongues, and man, there's no anointing. It was a cold moment. And this went on for about 20 minutes. I went for it. And the mother's waiting for the child to be raised up. And the detectives are waiting for me to get done. <laughs> and I would like to tell you that that 12-year-old girl was raised from the dead, but she was not. But let me tell you what the mother did have. She had peace that the daughter was with the Lord, and the daughter, we tried. So she had peace that we tried. And that gave her peace. But the Lord did speak to me. The longer she's with me, the less she'll want to come back there and be with you. But you know what? It was a seed sown in behalf of somebody else where I R-I-S-K. I took risk. I stepped out in faith and put myself in danger of a criminal investigation while federal parole. And when my father died, I had faith for him to be raised from the dead. And he lived six more years. You never fail when praying for the sick. You may not always see them healed, but you've sown a seed. Lives have been changed, and people know they've done everything they can do with God, and now they don't have the regret. What if I'd have done this? What if I'd have done that? What? Once you know his ways, you can release his acts. That mother didn't know his ways. She had to call somebody who knew his ways to release the acts. Do you know why you train your children up on how to heal the sick, how to cast out devils, and how to raise the dead? Because you never know when you might need it. <laughs> we teach them to make money. We train them up as accountants and lawyers and plumbers and doctors and business people and salespeople. But shouldn't we equip them with the ways of God? It says in the last days that the knowledge of the glory of God will be released into the earth. We talk about the glory of God, but it's not released without the knowledge of it. He made known his ways unto his servant Moses. And the acts fly through him. Tonight, or whenever you're listening to this, might be during the day, you might be watching it on video, I want to pray for you to receive a supernatural impartation 
of the Acts chapter 29, signs and wonders anointing, because we need it in the earth right now. People used to trust in chariots and horses, but we trust in the Lord. People used to trust in doctors and science, but now we need to trust in the Lord. (laughs) Amen? Regardless of what side of that you're on, you have to know something ain't right right now. And wouldn't it be better to trust in the great physician? And if he sends you to a medical doctor, that's great. Or if he sends you to a dentist, that's great. Or if he sends you to get cut on, that's great. But if not, it's not the place you run to first. It's the place you run to after the Lord has spoken because you're one who's been sent to that location with his blessing, not one who just went out of concern or fear. I'm not against doctors. Some of my good friends are doctors. And I've had the privilege of praying for them on several occasions for God to heal them by introducing them to the great physician when their doctor friends couldn't solve their problems. Had one doctor friend of mine, he had two bad knees and a bad shoulder and we were in a service in Branson, Missouri. And the minister said, God is healing a right shoulder. He's like, oh, oh, that's my left. And I said, well, can I pray for you? And he says, well, he called out a right. I go, that's okay. I've got an anointing for the left. So I laid hands on him. The Lord healed his left shoulder instantly. And he's like, oh my gosh, this is great. And so the Lord says to me, ask him about his knees. I was kind of hesitant. First of all, I'm sitting in a service. I'm not leading the service and I want to honor protocol. And he turns to me, he says, how are you with knees? You see, God doesn't reveal what he doesn't want to heal. So I said, well, the same Jesus who heals shoulders heals knees. And I said, uh, here. So I put my hand on his knee. I commanded the muscles, joints, ligaments, and tendons to be recreated into the sound of my voice, everything to come back into alignment in Jesus' name and by the power of the Holy Ghost and for a recreative miracle to occur. And he felt the heat go into his knees, starting to move it around. He goes, oh my God, I'm healed. Thank you, Jesus. And he says, what about the left? I said, you lay hands on the left. I said, you make the commands. I don't know how, but I wanted to teach him the ways of God. And the quickest way to learn the ways of God is in real time when the presence of God is hovering in the house and the creative miracle working power of the Holy Spirit is hovering. And when you speak the word in that atmosphere, he brings to pass that which is spoken at the direction and the directive of the voice of God. And so... We agreed, and he did a little bit of it, and then I kind of agreed, and then the power of God hit him, and he got up, and he started to bend down on the aisle, started to throw his arm up, and bent down, and he left. And I thought, did he get offended? What happened? And we were in this, like, about 500 people was in, like, a hotel meeting room, big, big room, and he comes back as the service is ending, like, about 45 minutes or an hour later, he's in this jogging suit. He's sweating, and he comes down, he goes, Dave, Dave, he goes, I just ran three miles on the treadmill. <laughs> he goes, I haven't been able to run for years. He goes, I would have to walk 100 feet and rest. He goes, but Jesus has completely healed me. Here's the funny part. He said to me, he goes, gosh, he goes, I want to sow into this ministry. Nobody asked him to sow. He wanted to honor because he'd been touched by the Lord. He wanted to honor the ministry. He wrote me a check because I want to sow into you because God used you. The next thing I know, I'm getting checks in the mail for like six months, X amount of dollars a month as consultant. I called him. I go, Doc, uh, your people sent me a check. 
for consulting for this amount of money. He goes, it's not a mistake. I told him to do it. I've got 50 employees. I've got one position that's empty right now. He said, that's your position. You're my consultant. I said, Doc, I'm not your consultant. How am I your, I don't consult with you. He goes, do you answer my phone when I call? I go, yeah, we're friends. He goes, that's consulting. <laughs> so God gave me an income without ever asking for a job and without ever asking for an offering because he got a creative miracle. You know what he was going to spend on stem cell surgery and everything else? A hundred grand. He was already set up to go do it. Started sewing into our Bible ministry. So signs and wonders not just bring people joy, set the captives free, but then people become reciprocal and want to sew into your ministry to meet your needs so that you can go forward. They'll fill you up or fuel you up to send you out and they pay it forward. And if you've got a healing or a miracle that happened through some man or woman or ministry, so into that ministry and pay it forward so they have the ability to go to the next one. Because I'm going to tell you something. When you're in the marketplace for 40 hours a week and you're in the ministry 40 hours a week, it's an 80-hour work week, and a lot of your time in prayer is spent dealing with marketplace stuff, sometimes the anointing will start to wane. So if you're in the marketplace and you're prospering, sow into the ministry people so that they can spend time in ministry before the Lord like Mary at his feet. Who did Jesus, in closing, who did Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead for? Mary the worshiper or Martha the worker? John chapter 11. Martha runs out the worker. Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Jesus, it's your fault. She didn't say that, but she's saying that. She's implying it. But I know he'll rise in the resurrection. Jesus says he'll rise in the resurrection. Where's Mary? Bring her to me. Send her. Martha went to Jesus. Mary waited till she was called upon and she was sent to Jesus. Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that he'll die. He'll, he'll rise in the resurrection. Jesus wept in spirit for the worshiper. And he said, Mary, I am the resurrection and the life. Roll away the stone. When all you get from theological, all you get from Jesus is theological answers that are true for the future, might I suggest you're working for him and you know his acts. But when you get manifestation from Jesus in response to your prayers, you're working from him. Wouldn't you like to move from theological answers in your church to manifestation that raises the dead and extends life? It comes from knowing his ways. Martha went Mary was sent. Let's pray.
Heavenly Father, I thank you for Acts chapter 29 being released in the earth at this great hour where you want to plunder hell and populate heaven, where you want to set the captives free, where you want to put that which has been upside down, right side up, and you want to put things back in proper order. It says in Acts 17, 6, those who have turned the world upside down here, talking about the apostles, have come here too. I declare that the world was not turned upside down by the apostles. It was turned right side up by the apostles under the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit. And I declare that that which has been turned upside down is going to be turned right side up through your life. The old the old nursery school rhyme that Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall and Humpty Dumpty had a great fall and all the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty back together again. We declare we're not going to the king's horses or the king's men's or the accountants or the lawyers or the doctors or the scientists. We're coming to the king himself. And we ask you, O King Jesus, we exalt you. We ask you to intervene. And like in the book of Judges, when they called upon God to send forth a deliverer, you sent forth a deliverer and you set them free from bondage and captivity and you put their feet back on solid ground and you cause their enemies to be defeated. We call on the king himself. And I declare if you're in sickness right now or dis-ease, I declare the healing power of God, the same power that raised Jesus Christ of Nazareth from the dead, I declare it quickens your mortal bodies. I declare cancers, tumors, knots, nodules, to dry up and dissolve right now in the name of Jesus. I cancel all torment and bondage and the dreams that have come, the harassing incubus and succubus spirits. I break your power and I close that portal and I command that to cease and desist against you. I speak healing to the trauma in your soul and I break off trauma. I break off every hindering spirit that would try to keep you from the greatest destiny that God has planned for you. And I speak divine elevation to you and I take off with the word of God the weights that hath so easily beset you. And I declare freedom, freedom, freedom in the glory for you and your household right now. I also break off hope deferred and I release in its place a desire fulfilled when dreams come true, a tree of life. I declare the angel breakthrough to be released into your midst and to begin to set you free. I cancel every contract of the enemy against you and I make it moot, null, and void and I declare liberty from lawsuits that have entangled you. I declare a rule change that literally renders that thing nullified and canceled supernaturally by the Holy Spirit. And I declare Acts chapter 29, the acts of the Holy Spirit that happened to you begin to happen through you for his glory and others freedom that they might know him and Jesus might receive the great just recompense that he so deserves 
for the work that he did 2,000 years ago for you. You've never received him as your personal Lord and Savior. I encourage you now. He stands at the door and knocks. He says, if any man open, any woman, any child open, I will come in and have a table of peace. If you want him to come in, just invite him and say, come in, Lord Jesus. Fill me with your spirit. Wash me and cleanse me anew with your word and your shed blood. Write my name in the Lamb's book of life. Make me new. Enable me to hear your voice. For your word declares, my sheep hear my voice and another they will not follow. So thank you for visiting me in dreams and visions in the wee hours of the night with your language of the night. And I thank you that everything begins afresh now in Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer, send a comment, send an email at info at virtual church media. Visit us online at Virtual Church Media. And if you've never partnered with us, pray and obey. Virtualchurchmedia.com forward slash give. Also, Sid Roth just released this series we did at his studios. You can go to sidroth.org. I think it's forward slash 9804. It's Freedom and the Glory series. It's really powerful. It's a six audio CD series. We had recorded it in the studio. My wife and I, she plays music and I teach. And we didn't really know how it was going to come out, but last night I began to thumb through the different, it's just really a powerful series. The glory of God is on it. So freedom and the glory at sidroth.org, uh, offer number 9804. And we will see you again. Everybody say goodbye. Bye. We'll see you next week. We love you.